0: beginning at verse 4 and going through verse 9. That's where we'll start from. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by Him in all utterance, into all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. Someone once asked this question, and I've always pondered a really good answer to it, and I think this morning we're going to look at it in a way that will help you understand what it is. And the question is, what is a Christian? How do you define what a Christian is? And now, how would you answer that? I'm not asking you to shout out an answer, but do you have an idea, or is it somebody who believes in Jesus, or is there something more to it? In the Bible it says, they they will know we are Christians by our love for one another. A Christian loves God more than anything else, but what does that mean? Maybe it means that we are not self-seeking, And that we put others' needs ahead of our own. Maybe it means we've died to ourselves and live under Christ. And if you have a real good explanation of how that looks and what it means, I'm open to hear it from you. However, if we are trying to live out the grace and faith and... Trying to bless others with the love of God and make this world a better place, we may be on the right track to living like one who belongs to Jesus. If we are doing the opposite of that, it seems we know what a Christian should be, but if we are doing the opposite, it's time to make a choice. A new choice. This passage we have today came out of the letter of 1 Corinthians to a church in Corinth. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background about their society. It was very pagan. And Corinth was a, a lot of different temples so a lot of different gods, but they had a problem. And I don't mean a little problem. They had a big problem. If you ever read the book of Corinthians, you're going to see this problem played out. Very thoroughly. And, and the problem is, is the church at Corinth. Now, listen to me. The church at Corinth started doing the things that the pagan worshipers were doing. And what were they doing? They were having temple prostitutes, they were eating food sacrificed to idols. May you say, well, that's immoral. Well, the, the whole society in that time was very immoral. And, and as the saying says, bad company corrupts good character, it's hard to live a Christian life in a society that does not embrace those principles of grace, peace, love, and fellowship, or loving others as, as you would have them to love you or as God has loved you. Either way. But this society was self-seeking, very hedonistic, which means after whatever made them feel good. And so the church was slipping back into those practices because everybody else was doing it. It seemed normal. Let me share something with you. Just because society says it's normal doesn't mean it is. Every culture has its own normal that doesn't line up with God. You'll look around our society it's the same way. We think getting back at someone else, uh, being mean to someone because they're mean to us is okay. And we justify it. This church in Corinth was called out of that society to be different. We are called out of our society pagan society and you say well no our country isn't pagan if you don't believe in jesus christ you are pagan Mm -hmm. there's no other word for that and you can say well i'm i'm an agnostic i'm an atheist i don't believe i don't know what to believe if you don't believe in jesus christ and live in his grace and fullness the word is called pagan Oh no, I'm not a pagan, you might say, just because I don't know about God very well. It means you are pagan. And pagan means that you are a person who is out of touch with who God is and the reality of this world that God intended. See, God did not intend for us to live immoral lives, but in fellowship with one another and with dominion over all creation. To be faithful with what God had given. But as I said, similar to the church at Corinth, we tend to slip back and to corrupt society around us. And that's a problem. Because sin is knocking at the door every time. And I've got to tell you, a lot of folks define sin a bunch of different ways. But I'm going to go with the scriptural definition. If you don't mind, I'm going to stand on the Word of God this morning. In James chapter 4, Verse 17, it tells us what sin is. It says, to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to that person it is sin. It doesn't say, oh, I've cheated on this or I've or I lied here. It says, some good that you could be doing that you are not doing, that is sin. Because you're saying to God that I don't need to bless others and do good in this situation. I choose not to do good. You see, if God is in you and God is love and you go against love, that's saying I know what good is but I choose not to do it. That will happen. That for you becomes sin. Now, you might say, well, nobody else is doing that good so what's the matter if I do? Because if God has put the good in front of you to do, that is your sin if you don't do it. Not somebody else's. Once you're aware that is your sin. Does that make sense? So, this morning what I want to share with you is that we have all sorts of ideas about what sin is, but I'm using this definition from James. So when you hear sin, I'm going to tell you, it's the things you could be doing for God that have refused or think it's other things are more important. And here's the thing. Whenever we mess up, Make a mistake. Um, Sin. We need God to give us a second chance. We need another opportunity to be forgiven and start over, don't we? But the question I have for you this morning is how do you get that second chance? What must you do? The simple answer is to ask for it. But I promise you, God does not have to give it. Never assume that God will do something just because you ask. I know, because I asked God to give me $100,000 when I was 26, and He didn't do it. He doesn't have to do it. As a matter of fact, back then I thought that was a lot of money. Now I realize that probably wouldn't have been enough. Probably not. Some folks are going, would have been enough to start... (laughs) But that's what I said is God is not an ATM doing what we ask. So if we say, God, I need another second chance, God's going to look and examine your heart and say, are you willing to take the second chance and make it right? Or you just want a second chance to get off the hook from what you've uh, done, to get off of the, shall we say, the consequences. God doesn't want you to get off consequences all the time. God often wants you to say, I forgive you, but the consequences remain. Why? Because otherwise we think it's okay and there's no consequence of sin. But the Scripture says very clear the wages of sin is more sin and the wages of more sin is death. But we go, oh, no, no, that won't happen to me. And we start to assume things about God that aren't true Now, I have heard it said that all you have to do is ask for a second chance and the reason people say that is because God is a God of second chances. All through Scripture, many second chances for people. Many times God has said, I will still use you. Samson cut his hair, disobeyed God, lost all his strength. But what does the Scripture say? That his hair started to grow again. Now you say, well, of course, hair grows. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that at a point in time, his hair stopped growing when he cut it. After a time, it started growing again, and God was giving Samson another chance. There are other people throughout Scripture, you can see examples where they've made mistakes. And yet God... Brought them back through and gave them another opportunity to do it the right way. But please do not ever assume when you ask God for a second chance that He's going to say yes. Do not assume God's a role in this. I want to tell you there are several kinds of second chances. The first kind is when a relationship goes south. When it sours. When it seems irreconcilable. Differences. Too much has gone under the bridge. Too much water under the bridge. It's just irreparable. A second chance is when the other person and you agree to reconcile. That's a second chance at the relationship. And I don't know about you, but if you're in a relationship, and I don't necessarily mean marriage. Friendship, any kind of relationship, spouses, uh, mother to uh, children, uh, children to parents, whatever that looks like, siblings, friend to friend. Whenever that happens and you have a relationship, I promise you it won't always be easy. There will be times because we're people that we're going to hurt each other. Not necessarily intending to, but sometimes the, the pain or the breaches. Not good. But that reconciliation happens sometimes over something, we you just talk it over you go, know, you know, oh, it was a misunderstanding. We're good. I'm sorry. The other person says they're sorry. And uh and they move beyond that. It's not what I'm talking about by a second chance. That's just a part of a normal relationship. The second chance is when it's irreparably broken and you can't do anything to make it right. You can't undo certain things. And yet the other person says, you know, I'm willing to look beyond this to forgive you and give you another chance because I still believe in this friendship, this relationship. <coughs> I promise you, if my children had done things that they couldn't fix, and they have, broken a lot of things that they couldn't repair or make right, that if I didn't say, you know, you need another chance Need another opportunity to make this right? They never learn grace. They never learn mercy. They never learn the opportunity to say, I can start over, make that every makeup mistake isn't fake. Terrible. And it can be. For some people, if you uh, cross them, they're done. I mean, done. I don't mean maybe, I mean, done. There are a lot of people like that. It's because they don't know what grace is. And maybe they've never experienced it. So, that's the first kind when a relationship goes wrong. Second chance. uh, Second kind is today. Today is the second chance. See, there comes a time when you ask God for another chance at life for Him to forgive you and to move into relationship with Jesus Christ. This comes after a time with Jesus and then you drift away. Some call it rededication. It's really sanctification. That's a process where God gradually forms you and molds you through different trials and tribulations to become more like His Son Jesus. This process happens day by day. And so... Today is a second chance for you to let God work on those character defaults and issues in your life to make you more like Jesus. You might say, but but I've messed up so many times, you don't understand. I don't think God can ever make me the way He wants me to be. And God's going to say, listen, don't bring yesterday into today. Today is your second chance. Grab it and go with it. Don't bring jump from the past into today. Let today be a new day, a new beginning, a new mercies, a new grace this day. Let today be your second chance. This morning, I feel like God has told me to tell you that you have that chance. That you can let go and let God mold you into the person you want to be. That yes, there's some consequence from the past, But it doesn't define who you are today going forward unless you bring it with you. God has not brought it with Him. Scripture says very clearly in Hebrews, your sins and iniquities God remembers no more. So if you keep bringing that stuff to mind, God's going to, I don't know what you're talking about, but if you want to talk about it and dwell in it, that's your business, but I I have no idea what you're talking about. You are forgiven, free, and... uh, Righteous child of mine. And yet here we are, dragging this junk into the day, and God says, when you wake up every morning, start fresh. Today is another chance. It's a second chance today. The third kind, it's kind of like the first one. It's a new life in Christ. Some people have never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thrown their lives away, like the Corinth people, very pagan. But with a new life in Christ, there's grace to make a restart. Call it a do-over. A fresh start. To begin again. Another chance, or a second chance. A new goal at (laughs) it. For the first time, for some of us. A new life in Christ is because your relationship with God has been sour. Maybe you haven't had one, and you're ready for one. Maybe you really need to know that you matter to God, and that He can transform your life to someone who is a 180 type person, shining the light of God wherever you go. I don't know about you, but how would it be like for you, if you could just think about this for a moment, that when you walk out of here today, and people see you glowing with God's love, that you're a witness to the change that God made in a broken life. Sometimes I want God to afflict me with something I can't fix so that I can give Him glory for when He does it. There are people whose lives are so radically changed that God can't help but get glorified when people say, How did who, what, how'd that happen? And they'll say, I came to God and He washed me clean. Maybe a new creation in Jesus Christ. I've got a new chance. (laughs) And I'm shining a light. Giving Him glory. Not for what I've done, but for what I couldn't do. And He could. And I'm so thankful The new life in Christ is my second chance. We all mess up. And we all blow the first chance. We're all looking for the second chance. Because we can't make it on the first one. It didn't work. None of us mean. Romans 3.23 says we've all fallen short. And we have. And that's not a shameful statement. It's truth. It's something we could accept as our reality that I have fallen <laughs> short and without the grace of God and Jesus Christ, I'm like a sinking ship. We all are. It's not a bad thing to acknowledge you need Jesus. It's not a bad thing to acknowledge that you've messed your life up to bring it to God and say, God, do something with it. I can't. Look what I do. God will do that. He will give you a new life in Christ. This is the second chance. But there's a fourth one. (laughs) And this is probably the one that I had to figure out and think about the most because when I began to realize something I'm going to share with you in a few moments, this is the one where I got stuck for a while. And this is the second chance is when you keep messing up. Maybe you are different than me, but I, I tend to make the same mistakes. I don't need to make new ones. I keep repeating the old ones. God, why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep learning this lesson? And God kind of laughs, I think, and says, you haven't learned it, so you're getting it retaught. So I keep messing up and making the same mistakes over and over again, and I think there's no way that this is ever going to change. (laughs) And that thinking makes me want to throw my hands in the air and give up and say, why try? It's too late now. I'm not perfect. I failed. I know Jesus. And here I am. I'm crucifying Him with my sin again. And and, uh, it's too late. Why try? Just a sense of despair. And God in those moments says to me one thing. It's time to make a choice. I say, God, but I want to change. He says, you can't change you. You can't do it. You've tried. I can change you, but you can't. But God, I just want to change. I want to be a different person. You have no idea how many times I've written my new model for life so I won't do those old things and all the self help books I've read on different problems I've had in life. And guess what? Besides a few hours of self help books, I still got that stuff. <laughs> all it works for a couple hours. But then, you know, something comes along that I didn't expect. Interruption. Distraction. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? You go, God, I'm never doing that again. And two hours later, you're going to go, Oh, I forgot. Oh, I forgot. Y'all are like that, are you? I'm like that. And, And it frustrates me. And in those moments, here's what God says. Make a choice. And I'll do the change. But what do I choose, God? And why would you give me a second chance? And God wants us to move forward. To not be stuck in that mess. Some of us procrastinate making the choice. Me, for sure. I procrastinated making the choice today, I want you to make an assumption that I had to learn. And I was um, working on a question for one of the groups I'm in. And the question basically was, um, how do you get a second chance? My answer was this. I didn't know I didn't have one. Well, if I mess up God, I'll just do it right tomorrow. I'll get another chance tomorrow. I was assuming that God's going to say, okay, you get another chance tomorrow because you want to mess up today. Been living that way for a long time. And you know what? God put in my heart this question that shook me to my foundations. He says, why don't you live and assume there's not another chance to do this? Why not assume you're not going to get another chance tomorrow? Let's get it right today. Let's do the right thing today and make a choice to do the right thing instead of saying, I'll do the right thing tomorrow, but let's do the wrong thing today. God, I'm mad. I just want to be mad for a while and yell and scream and all this other stuff. And Just let me do this for now and God tomorrow. I'll work on it. Let me do all that. And do you know what God said when He said, why do you assume that this is okay? that you are going to assume that my grace tomorrow will cover this today because you chose that tomorrow would be okay, but not today. Why are you assuming you're going to get another chance? Why not assume you will not? And see how your behavior changes. (laughs) So I began to chew on that. I want you to assume today that there isn't a second chance and therefore that's not your reason for doing it wrong. Many of us think, I'll change later. I'll quit this when I'm 20. When I was in my teens, I said, I'll live for Jesus better when I'm in my 20s. When I was in my 20s, I said, Jesus, I haven't hardly even lived yet. I'll, I'll do it in my 30s. And in my 30s, I'm going, you know... I'm still young, got a lot of energy. I want to do it my way still. And and, you know, God, let me do it my way. After a train wreck of 30s, I said, well, I'll do it in my 40s. In my 40s, I I made a promise to God, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to show the world what you can do with a righteous man who doesn't do anything but choose you all the time. Now I'm in my 50s and I'm still working on that. You understand what I'm saying is we keep telling God later, I'll do it right. We assume that God's going to give us a later, but there are some people who have said that and didn't wake up the next day. People who lost their lives before they got that second chance and assumed there would be another tomorrow. As I said, today is the second chance. There will never be a tomorrow. You can only live in today. You can only live in this moment, not the next. And I've been thinking that my life would be different later. That I would make different choices later because I didn't want to make them today. Maybe you're not like that, but I am. And I used to say, God, I'll stop this sin just one more time and then I won't do it anymore. You know, I know it's wrong, but you know, God, I know you'll forgive me because you're a God of love. And God was probably looking at me going, why would you take my grace and use it for a reason to sin. In Romans chapter 6, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin so that grace may be more found or abound? God forbid, or certainly not. How shall we, who died to sin, live any longer in it? Why are we trying to justify living? in a sinful pattern and saying I'll change later. What's what part of that makes sense in the terms of godly living? Sometimes I'll say, "God, yes, I'll do it, but I'm going to get some rest first. When I feel better, when I got more energy, when my body doesn't hurt, I'm assuming that's going to be in eternity, but not now." I'll start helping others and I'll serve others on some other day. Today, I'm just going to take care of me and mine. God kept saying, well, why don't you live as if you assume there is no another day to do that? But today is the day you've been called to it, to do good. In verse 10 in Romans 6, it goes on to say this, and this is really important. It says, For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. That we have died to sin. That it won't have dominion or control us or be in our thoughts as a, as a power that transforms our choices. It doesn't. It has no power to do that when you belong to Jesus. It says we live to God. That we've died to ourself. Do you understand... When when it says "die to self, live for Christ," this is what this verse is saying: that we live unto God with our lives. We're not trying to justify immoral or ungodly behavior, even though the Corinth church did that—prostitution in the church, eating food sacrificed to other gods—and not saying this isn't welcome at the altar of Jesus Christ bringing immorality into the sanctuary and saying, well, it's okay because everybody else does it. Why would we justify ungodly living like they did? It didn't work for them. The church, if you read after this, Paul is saying, thank you for your faithfulness. But he's also saying after this, (laughs) verse 9 and 10, he now starts telling them how they've messed up. He gets them to say, oh, he's really appreciative of us. But then he says, you've left God out of the equation again. This whole book talks about that. And he talks about the gifts that people have to help others and they need to use them. And the question is, do we live to God? Do you live your life to God? Have you died to self? Are you... A believer. Are you starting to see the characteristics here? They're not assuming grace is going to be there tomorrow so I can mess up right now. Someone once said, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. Please don't ever do that with God. Say, God, if this is all right, I'll do it. You just tell me. Rather than God, forgive me for what I'm about to do. What if God said no? And you still did it. You don't know God's answer. Please don't assume you do. One day grace may run out. See, if we think that grace is something that God gives us regardless, there's an unlimited supply, we're taking God for granted and He's not God anymore. That we're thinking that we don't have to be holy and godly as He asks us to be. And here's the question I have for you. There's relationships that's gone bad. There's a second chance for today. There's a second chance for new life in Christ. And there's a second chance for when you keep messing up. Those four. What second chance are you on today? Which one of those things is hanging you up? Are you falling into line with the people around you instead of with the life God's called you to be? Are you looking for opportunity to serve? The vision board hanging out there is a kind of thing that says, I'm all in with Jesus. And we put our name there. But that means I'll do whatever whenever He asks me. And I'm all in with the mission and vision of what this church is trying to do. If you put your name on there, it means you have courage that God's going to use you. And that He can. And you have the belief that just maybe this this world will transform because you have chosen to be all in in that. Let me bring this home in a very simple way. We learned a few years ago that there are at least 400 people unchurched within a few miles from here. 400. I don't mean to bring all 400 in here. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, what are you doing about it? Do you feel a conviction that God wants those people too? That they need Jesus and they just don't know how to get Him. They may think, that church is no longer a safe place for them. They may also think that they've wasted their chances with God and that God is no longer going to be able to use them or forgive them. They may think that they've wasted all God's grace and therefore they can't come back. But how will they know the truth unless we are the ones, (laughs) unless you are the one who says, I want to be a part of the solution. Because one day, And I don't know how far along from now, but I hope for you and I, we have many years to work together to do this. But one day, God's going to gather us all before the throne. He's going to say, you've heard it said several times, there are 400 people within just a few miles of where you attend worship. What did you do? Did you give them a second chance? Or do you think God will give you a second chance to reach them later? Because they're desperate and broken and think lives are irreparable and relationships can't be reconciled, especially with them and God. But it's our task to tell you the wrong. That God's grace goes deeper than any sin or brokenness, That the cross of Jesus Christ goes further than anything else you bring against it. Deeper than any sickness, disease, sin, irreparable irreconcilability. Anything. And today God's saying they just need a chance. They have never, ever had the first, second chance. And here we are assuming that God's going to give us another one. Maybe we should say, God, give them my next chance. I'm doing it right this time. Would you pray with me? Thank Heavenly you. Father, thank you so much that you love us enough to bring us away to come home. To find a home, to carry a candle to others who also are lost and broken in this world. God, I don't know exactly what each person here needs to be doing for you, but Heavenly Father, you've asked us all to be a part of something bigger than what we are. That there is nothing in our past that can keep us from living this present for you. Nothing. And our witness is to what You've done, not to what's been done to us or what we've done, but what You can do, God, and what You're doing in and through our lives and in and through this Your church. Heavenly Father, may we find as we have been here together that You've called us up from where we've been to a higher plane, to a place where we say, God, all things are possible and I can be a part of it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength to do what He's called me to do. Heavenly Father, I ask that You would remind us again this morning. Call our hearts to Your presence. Our lives to You. May we find today that we live for You and we live our lives to You. Amen.